Um, today being the 10th, you know me, I'm going to do a quick drive-by through Proverbs chapter 10. And I actually picked two verses out of Proverbs 10 because they have the same phrase in them and it kind of created some symmetry. See, if, see what you can get out of this, uh, verses 6 and 11. Verse 6 says, Blessings accrue on a good and honest life, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Ooh, that's a picture. A dark cave of abuse. In verse 11, the mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Wow, there's a picture. Quiet down now. Okay, no reaction. So um, pretend for just a moment that you're on a hit reality television program, and we'll call it Prairican Idol. Okay? With me so far? And Randy Jackson and Jennifer Lopez and Simon Cowell or whoever's the judge there anymore are going to judge you. And I know you're already starting to kind of get wet inside. You're starting to sweat and something. What are they going to judge me on? Because I know I'm not going to make it with Simon Cowell no matter what I do. (laughs) And they're going to judge you on the intimacy and the effectiveness of your prayer life. And they're going to pick a score for you and they're going to determine if you get to move on. If you, don't know, if you don't watch this show, you, this doesn't make sense to you, but I'm sorry. I mean, some of you, you you'd, be, you'd be doing great. They'd, you know, if the score was a 1 to 10, you'd get a 9 or a 10. Don't raise your hands because, you know, we'll stone you. Just kidding. <laughs> some of you would get a great score, and I mean, many of us might say, well, I kind of I hover around a 5 or a 6. I kind of do okay sometimes. And some of us would be really honest with ourselves and say, well, I'm below water. I'm a minus 1 to a 0 or a 1. On a really good day, maybe a two. And, you know, maybe you have been in a place of desperation in your life where you've been disappointed with how things went. You, you know, if, if, you, if you released your unfiltered emotions, you might, you know, it might come out like this. It just doesn't work. I mean, I've tried this prayer thing and I've done what I thought I was supposed to do and... I asked God to take this away, and he didn't take it away. I don't even know if he cares. I, I just really don't know. Is he really there? Does he hear me? Does he, you know, I'm just not sure he's listening. I just don't think it really works. And the reality is that there probably are people sitting in this room right now that are right there, right there, right now. I mean, I've, I've tried, and you're asking yourself, does it really work? And if you're not there now, it's a possibility that maybe you've been there at some point in your life. Because maybe, maybe you've been praying for your marriage, right? I mean, you, you, you feel, you, it just doesn't feel like God's moving. You pray, and it doesn't feel like God's moving. You've been praying for a spouse. Lord, get me a spouse. And you don't see a spouse. Or you've got this addiction, and you're saying, God, help me. I need you to take this away. And, you know, or you've been praying about your anger, or he, you want him to set you free, or something about healing your relationship, and you're asking, God, Where is God? Well, today, we're going to dive into the life of Elijah, and we're going to find out how prayer affected him and a whole lot about prayer, because this guy understood some things about prayer. He understood it. And he came before the the throne of God with boldness and with confidence, and we'll see that. So I want to to start start out by looking at this. Before we get into the book of of, of 1 Kings, I want to look at James chapter 5, verse 17. It says, here's what it says about Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man 
just like us. I'll tell you what, I read that and it brings me some peace because after reading stories about this guy going up before King Ahab, I mean, he was a bad man, King Ahab, and Elijah going up and telling him, hey, it's going to stop raining, There's, it's going to be dry because God says so. And this is not only just him in Elijah's grill, he's up in Elijah's grill, but this is also him assaulting the Baal. Baal, who was known as the god of the rain and the dew. Rain was a big deal then. It was the, 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 the driving force of the economy was crops. Baal was known as the king of the rain and the dew. One of his names, another one was the king of fire. Another one was, was the god of the crops. He would be the one who would provide fertility, that would, would make the economy grow, that would feed them. And Elijah's up before Ahab saying, it's going to be dry. It's going to be dry. Wow. And he's a guy just like us. I mean, up until now, when he prays, we read these things and, and fire comes down and it consumes um, um, a sacrifice that had been drenched with water. I mean, these are miraculous things. I'm thinking he's some kind of a guy with an S on his chest and a cape flapping in the breeze. I mean, this guy is pretty major. And he is pretty major. He, f- he figures in some pretty major ways in the word of God. He was captured away. He never. I mean, just, but he's a guy like us, according to James. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Man, that's, that's confidence, and that's boldness. And I can't remember the last time I was able to change the weather by my prayers. I mean, maybe you can recall those times, but, um, you know, he prays. So his deal is he's... he's um, He's, he's in a time when King Ahab and Jezebel are leading, and they're leading the, na- the, the, the nation into deeper and deeper hellishness. I mean, they're really bad leaders, and they're leading people away from God. And, and, and God sends Elijah to go confront them, and he, goes, and he sends them there to confront their, go- their, their false gods because you know, we learned from last time that false gods make promises that only the one true God can actually keep. And God says, that's enough. We're going to start dealing with it. So, so he tells them, he, he, Elijah tells them that the power of their false god, Baal, the god of rain and dew and fertility and crops, it's going to fail them. There's one true God, and he's going to stop the rain. Now talk about putting everything on the line. <laughs> right? He, he's, he's put it all on the line. He's out there. And for three and a half years, it was bone dry. Bone dry, just like God said and just like the prayer. And then Elijah senses the Lord saying to him, it's time for you to start praying for the return of rain. And here's his prayer. We find it in 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 42. Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a, small cl- a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. I mean, there must have been more in this conversation than is recorded here. And who knows what each, man, each one of them is thinking. I mean, I, I think a lot of us struggle in our prayer lives at times. Our consistency can be tough. Authenticity can be hard. And we know we're supposed to believe in God answering and moving on our behalf, but we can't always tell. We can't always tell that he hears and he's responding. We just don't always see it. 
And today I want to dig out of all of this some truths that maybe can help transform the way we view our prayers and our relationship with the Lord. So as we go through this scripture, we're going to find some qualities of an effective prayer. And at the same time, we're also going to find some life helps, um, some observations. So I'm just going to launch in here and we'll just see where this takes us. First one I see is, is I believe effective prayers are humble prayers. So Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. I mean, he puts on his REI jacket. He fills up his camel back with plenty of water. He gets his GPS all dialed in, and he makes his way to the top of the mountain to be alone with God. To be alone with God because he needs something of God. He needs some of God's attention. And maybe he's a guy who prays sometimes like I do, and, but he felt that this time just the popcorn prayer muttered on the treadmill, hey, Lord, cover my kids today, wasn't going to be enough. Nothing wrong with that prayer, by the way. But he felt like something else was in order here. And so he set set aside some time intentionally. And he climbed out of his routine intentionally to get alone with God. It's amazing what can happen when you intentionally do do that. uh, Plan to get away from, from everything. Just specifically to spend time with the Lord. I think most people never do that in their entire lives. But I think they should. Um, there was a time, I mean, I've done that a few times, several times. And um, probably I'd say, I don't remember when it was. The dates were probably 10, 15 years ago. And um, I just felt like I was supposed to take a day with the Lord. So I cleared my calendar for a day. And I hopped in my pickup truck early in the morning. And I had, you know, my Bible and a notepad and bag of potato chips. Don't hate the potato chips. You know, the potato chips are one of the four basic food groups. The chocolate group, the pizza group, the candy group, and the potato chip group, right? (laughs) Do not be hating on the potato chips, I'm just telling you. So I'm going to share some things with you that I have not um, told a lot of people because when I tell them part of this, they look at me like I'm nuts. Um, But this morning early, I I had an encounter with the Lord, and he said, I want you to share this, so um, I really believe you'll think I'm nuts, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so I'm, my intention is just to get away, get alone, and hear what the Lord would speak to me. Not that I, I wasn't petitioning things about my life, my family. I just was like, this was one of those times like, Lord, speak to me. Give me a word for my life and my future. I'm not desperate about anything, but I just want you to speak to me. This is me listening. So I hopped in my truck, and I headed west. And um, it was early in the morning. I was probably down. I wasn't sure where I was going to go up around the peninsula or where I was going to go, but I got down around uh, Ocean Shores, and it was probably 6.30 or 7 at that point, so I was out pretty early. And I thought, you know, I probably should feed my body, so i got to find a restaurant or something for breakfast. So I made the turn to go into um, to, uh, um, Ocean Shores, and if you've been there before, you know big long road before you before you get to State Park and so forth, and I'm cruising along thinking there's going to be a restaurant here somewhere. And I cruised past, there's a large casino there. And I cruised past the large casino. I thought, well, there's food in there, but I'm not going to go in there. Now, this is the conversation going on in my mind. I'm the pastor, one of the pastors of a large church. I oversee a large staff. I, the payroll that I signed checks for was over 100 people. Lots of money every month. I mean, a, a multi-million dollar annual budget there. And I don't know how it would look if one of the people in the church 
sees the pastor who oversees all of that, including the money, heading into a casino. <laughs> Fair enough? And that was my mindset. I can't go in there because it has the appearance of evil, and so I'm not doing it. And, um, and it was more Terry than it was the Lord setting that standard. I wasn't trying to be self-righteous. I wasn't trying to be snooty and legalistic. I just was trying to do the right thing. And I had this genuine tension, but I knew there was food in there. And I thought, no, I'm not going in there. And I felt the, the Lord nudge me and say, go in there and have your breakfast. Now, it can't be you, God, because I know what I'm supposed to do. And I kept driving. Terry, turn around. I mean, I, not an audible voice. It was not an audible, audible voice. But I kept going, kept going, and finally, before I got to any restaurants in Ocean Shores, I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. I'm going to go back there. So I turned around, and I went back. And I worked my way, and even early in the morning, the casino was going. I don't know if you ever get into casinos, but there's a certain sound you hear that, you know, that (laughs) you have been in a casino. (laughs) So I'm working my way through because the food is on the other side of all that stuff. And um, I'm working my way back, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, what am I going to do if somebody sees me? Well, if they see me, I see them. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, too. So, um, so I work my way back in there, and I go into the restaurant, and they're serving breakfast, and it's probably half full. It's pretty, you know, a lot of people, and it's kind of this, this low roar. You know how it is sometimes when you're in a restaurant, and people are talking, and it kind of fills with sound. So, that's what, that's what, so I go in there, and I'm thinking, okay, God, you, this is your deal. You know? So I, they say, can we help you? I said, yeah, I'd like to have breakfast. They put me in a booth, and I'm kind of by myself, but the room is full of people, and it's kind of noisy. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking at my Bible, and I got my notepad out, and I'm thinking, I'm the only one here with a Bible and a notepad. Okay, um, you're up to something, God. I'm just going to sit. And, and as I sat, and I ate my breakfast, and I was just quietly listening just to the Lord, I I experienced a personal miracle, a personal miracle. And in the middle of all of that din, all of a sudden, I was able to hear, as clear as if I was sitting at people's tables, individual conversations all around the room. I probably heard three or four. I wasn't eavesdropping, and it wasn't because it got quiet in the room. I heard conversations that were not physically possible for me to hear. And here were the kind of conversations I heard. I heard one table, I can still see in my mind who they were. I mean, where it was a man and a woman and, and, and another man, three of them sitting at a, at, a, at a booth, and they were talking about their church, and they were talking about some concerns about their pastor. I'll put it nicely. They were kind of having their pastor for, for breakfast. And um, I listened to that. I mean, I, I heard that, and that kind of broke my heart a little bit. And then I heard another conversation, and two people were praying. I mean, three or four conversations. And it wasn't that I was to hear the details and I was, it was some sort of, but I'm telling you, it was a miraculous thing. Because in, the, in this din of the room, all of a sudden, it was like I, was, I could hear in, individual conversations. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. He said, my people are here. My people are here. Translation. That changed my heart It changed my life, and it has certainly changed my ministry. Because I realized that if it was Jesus that day, that's where he would have been having his breakfast. But for a fear of man, 
in the past, I was unwilling to walk into a tavern or someplace, not to get loaded, but to just be with people. I would not do it because of how it would look. I'm not here to announce you I'm going to start bar crawling or anything like that. (laughs) But I can promise you this. If the Holy Spirit says to me, go in there, I'm going in. I'm going to go in there. Because I trust that the Holy Spirit will do that. It was such a profound experience for me. It was miraculous. This, I don't normally tell people that I heard these things because they think I'm nuts. And you may think I'm nuts, but I was touched by the Lord. And I had a miraculous, profound experience because I had heard his voice and obeyed him at another place. He took me, he took me in there and he did something. And so I brought this, I, I, I decided to bring this um, napkin. This is nothing more than green cloth. Nothing to venerate, um, but... But I brought this napkin. Now, this is a napkin that at one point was owned by the restaurant at the casino out there by Ocean Shores. <laughs> and when the children of Israel crossed into the promised land, the Lord said to them, I'm going to paraphrase, he said, hey, stack up some, build an altar here, not as a place to worship, but as a place to remember the miracles that the Lord God did for you. You shouldn't forget who he is in your life and the miracles. And so I, I, I thought, okay, I got to take something with me here just as a remembrance, not because it's holy. I thought, okay, well, there was, you know, the, it was set for two people. Well, there's another brand new clean tablecloth that doesn't have my juice all over it and stuff. So I'll take that. And I thought, well, I can't just take it. So a waiter comes. I said, hey, I need my check. And by the way, add on to the check the price of this napkin. You know, I said, I want to buy this napkin. I can't, I can't do that for you. I said, listen, when I leave here, this napkin's going to go with me, and I don't want to be a thief. <laughs> Figure out the price of the napkin. He says, okay, he goes away. Comes back in a minute, and now he's got the manager with him. <laughs> manager says, sir, I can't sell you that napkin. I said, listen, I'm not weird. I'm not, I just, I just. <laughs> Man, I just realized I was weird, wasn't I? <laughs> I said, I just, I just need that napkin for reasons that are completely okay. He says, well, I don't have any way to sell that to you. I said, okay, so here's the deal. I pulled a $20 bill. I paid my check. I pulled a $20 bill, and I put it on the, the deck, and I said, listen, I'm going to leave here, and there's not going to be a napkin when I leave, but there's going to be a $20 bill. You figure out the difference. He stuck out his hand and said, thanks for coming for breakfast. Come again sometime, and I brought the napkin. Now, this napkin is just to remind me of the miraculous thing the Lord did to keep my heart where my heart needs to be. It's, there's nothing to venerate about this. This is not holy. It's just green cloth. If I get spaghetti on my lap, I mean, I put this in my backpack and I have it with me sometimes. This is a memory, so it's not weird, but I brought it today to just as an artifact of this. Exp- put this in your purse. Be all quit talking about the <laughs> <laughs> So back to humble prayers. First Kings 18, Elijah bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. So, so picture what's going on here. I don't know if you can see this or not, but he's down on his knees and his petition is so huge, he's down like this. God. Now, I'm not as flexible as I need to be to actually get my, <laughs> my head all the way down there. And he physically humbles himself. And it's not about our physical posture that's going on here. But the physical on the outside is reflecting what's going on in his heart. It's just a picture of what's going on. And it's, it's this authentic humility. 
it's interesting as you read through these stories in First Kings about Elijah and all these miraculous deals, nowhere does it say he had an audible voice from God speaking to him. It, it, it may be, but it doesn't say that. It says the word of the Lord came to Elijah. That's all that it says. It says that at least three times. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And I, I know this. Um, we know from John chapter 10 that Jesus teaches that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Sometimes the Lord will speak to you, and it's not usually going to be an audible voice. And uh, so here he is. He realizes God has said to him, let's bring the rain back, as if Elijah could do anything about rain. Frankly, God could have done it without Elijah, but there are reasons that the Lord asked him to pray about it. And um, so here's Elijah. He's about as humble as he can get because he realizes I cannot make it rain any more than I can make it stop or I can make fire come down. That's always been you good because I'm this small, tiny, inadequate. I can't bring any rain. But God, you're big. God, you are holy. God, you are powerful. God, you are the author of life. God, you have the answers. And he's asking in humility. He's not asking in arrogance here. And James 4, in verses 6 and 10 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. What a great promise. The creator says to you, humble yourself before him. He's going to lift you up. So life help number one, observation today, is humility will precede the miraculous in our lives. Humility is going to precede the miraculous. If you're looking for some of the miraculous in your life, find some humility to begin with. Second, uh, second part of an effective prayer is I believe that effective prayers are bold prayers. Wait a second. Humble, bold, weigh that out here. I'm kind of stuck here, Terry. Help me out with that. God, you know, it isn't, don't, you have to agree with me. Isn't asking for a changed weather pattern bold? Isn't asking for fire to come down and consume water drenched? That's bold stuff. Um, and he's about to ask a pretty bold thing, which God wants us to do, by the way. He wants your petitions to be bold. And Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, unfortunately, some people associate boldness with being brazen or forward or presumptuous. Boldness is not the same as those qualities. It's not. I mean, brazen is to be proud and to flaunt. Um, to be forward is to, to somehow believe that your needs are more important than the needs of people around you. That's being forward. Or to be presumptuous is to be overconfident, to act beyond what the word of God says, or, or even beyond your own level of faith. That's presumptuous. Instead, boldness, I believe, is courage. It's, you know, it's just basically believing that God is going to keep his promise and his word. That's what boldness is. It's not going beyond God's promise, but it's standing confidently in God's word. So here's... A really, I believe, an important truth for you and me to understand is this. A believer will never, ever have boldness in their prayers if they don't realize you are righteous in God's sight. You got to catch that. If you do not believe that God sees you as righteous, you will never be bold in your prayers. If you don't really, really down deep believe that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient to deal with the stuff that you did and you have still going on in your heart, 
You'll never be bold. And that so minimizes the powerful, the powerful nature of the sacrifice in, the, in heaven's plan because it is, it is enough. It is enough for what you are thinking this moment. Well, I don't know about that. In fact, I'm planning to sin some more. It's enough for that. I'm not telling you to sin more. I'm just telling you it's enough. His plan was enough. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says, but the righteous will live by their faith. They live by trust in a faithful God. I love the verse Hebrews 11.6. I would say it's probably my, my life verse for several reasons. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. Because to do that, you have to know that he exists, believe that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Boldness is courage. It's daring to trust God to keep his promises. Another quality of effective prayers is, I believe that you will pray God's promises and God's word. You pray, that's an effective prayer. Elijah was praying the very thing God told him to, to ask for. He is praying back to God God's words. God's words. Jesus did that a whole bunch of times. He's, you, you can find um, there are at least 78 times that he quoted scriptures in his prayers and whatever. He's, he's repeating back God's words. Now, if you're not sure if the scriptures are God's words, um, you know, he refer, Jesus refers to the Old Testament. He calls the Old Testament in, 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 in total. The scriptures, the word of God, and the wisdom of God. The apostles quoted the Old Testament 200, over 200 times. And they considered the Old Testament to be the oracles of God. I mean, effective prayers pray God's word. You find a promise, you find a psalm, and if you're not sure how to pray, you pray that. Find a promise. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you about my future and my hope. God, you are thinking about my future and my hope. Your word promises me that. I'm asking about that. Let it go, God. Release it. My future and my hope. Pray the word of God. It's an effective prayer. Fourth item, effective prayers are specific. You know, so many times our prayers can kind of be a little bit wishy-washy, you know, nonspecific. You know, God, give me strength. Be with us. Help me. Those are all prayers. Keep doing them. But, um, you know, it's like sometimes I, I really wonder. <laughs> I mean, I don't think God's as sarcastic as I am. Maybe he is. We just don't know, okay? So, you know, you know um, <laughs> I have a T-shirt that says, you know, has that symbol like when you're on your computer and that, that little pinwheel's going. It says, please stand by, sarcastic comment loading. Um, I'm not calling God sarcastic, but I mean, sometimes I think God hears those prayers. Help me be with me. He might be thinking, oh, excuse me, but you know, I'm already doing those things. Why don't you ask me for something I'm not already doing? How often do you ask him for things that are already happening? Be with me. Give me strength. But Elijah is specific. He says, God, we need rain. It's been three and a half years. Would you please make it rain? That's very, very specific. James 4.2 says, you don't have it because you haven't asked for it. You have not because you ask not. Sometimes we just drive right by that scripture. We forget about it and we get busy. You don't have something because you don't ask for it. But by the way, what else is hidden in that scripture? God is actually pointing out to us that we don't ask. We actually don't ask for things. You don't have because you don't ask. Okay, another quality is... Effective prayers are persistent. So here's Elijah. He's humbled himself. He's prayed, praying this bold prayer. 
Verse 43, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. Nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. So he goes, comes back. What'd you see? There's nothing there. Elijah says, well, go back and check again. Elijah's back praying. Servant takes off. He comes back. Still nothing there. Go back again. Thir- servant's got to be thinking. I mean, there's got to be these, you know, these thoughts, right? Don't you admit it? The servant's got to be thinking, wait a second. I've gone twice. Don't you believe me? What's, you know, when did you quit believing me? Go again, Elijah. Come on, go. So Elijah goes. Elijah sends a servant. Servant goes again. Elijah's praying, comes back. Still no. Okay, go again. All right, this is getting old, but because you're Elijah, I'm going to do it. So off he goes. Now, now this is, goes on and on and on seven times. But here's what was going on in Elijah. In spite of what he kept hearing, these negative reports, negative, 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 but the Lord had told him to pray for rain. Don't allow outward circumstances to affect your inward assurance. You know, when it seems like God's not moving, when it seems like God's not answering, Elijah doesn't get all frustrated and throw in the towel and say, I'm done, prayer doesn't work. He stays at it. He prays and he prays and he prays and he prays because he's persistent and he's heard a word from the Lord. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a man in right standing avails much. The effective, persistent prayer of someone who's righteous in God's sight, that's you, avails much. Stuff happens because you pray. You know, when we're down in the dumps and we begin to think that maybe God, you know, isn't listening. He's ignoring us. He doesn't care. It really helps to write that scripture on your heart. The effectual fervent prayer of one in right standing with God avails much. These prayers matter and God's hearing them. You know, I, I, so I just want to ask rhetorically a question of you right now. What have you quit praying for? that maybe you should continue, pick back up and pray for? What have you quit praying for? You know, maybe it's your marriage and you haven't seen much change and your heart's breaking worse, you're praying and it's just not getting better and so you've kind of given up. Or maybe it's for a job and you've grown tired of the petition or maybe it's your finances or a broken relationship or maybe it's somebody in your family that doesn't know Christ and you've been praying for so long for that person and somehow you've given up on it. The effectual, fervent prayer of one in right standing with God avails so much. Okay, so effective prayers are humble, bold, specific, persistent. They pray God's word. Number six, effective prayers are expectant prayers. Verse 44, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand <laughs> is rising from the sea. There's not much there, but I'll give you credit because there is a cloud for the first time, and it's tiny, but it's, it's there. <laughs> so Elijah says, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and get down before the rain stops you. <laughs> He's got some expectations. It's really interesting that the servant here didn't say, hey, there's a big, huge, thick, dark band of clouds coming, and I can smell the storm. Have you ever smelled a rainstorm before it's hit? I can smell it. I can see it. I'm running from... He didn't say that. There's a little wisp 
of white something somewhere out there. And Elijah says, buckle up. (laughs) It's because that's what Elijah saw. Elijah saw, buckle up. And the servant said, hey, there's this little something. He sees something different than the servant, even though they had the same facts. You know, what's the deal? What kind of alternate reality is Elijah living in? And that's really the right question to ask. This guy's nuts. Or am I missing something? Great question. That's a great question. Jesus taught us something. The scriptures teach us that we're not of this world. But we're in it. If we're in something, but we're not of it, then there's something else somewhere you'd agree with my logic because that's, you know, that's pretty basic eighth grade algebra there. Did you realize you were as good at algebra as you, th- as you thought? I mean, there, we are not of this world. We're not of this world. Elijah wasn't looking into this world. This world is a reflection of, a, of something else. Life help number three. You can't have expectant prayers if all you ever see is this world. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Elijah turns on the the tsunami warnings. He says, go tell everybody, run the sirens. (laughs) It's going to get messy around here. And I remember a time like this where my expectations were based on something that wasn't in front of me, in front of the world. I've told you before about when Rachel was a little girl and, and the diagnosis came back, epilepsy, and we prayed about it in a humble prayer. I'm telling you, those were humble prayers. Lord, heal my daughter. And I remember one day with her sitting on my lap and we looked at each other and said, you know, Daddy, I'm healed. I know, honey, I know. And it wasn't willpower and it wasn't denial. It was a sense that the Lord was healing her. And so we went back to the doctors. We were seeing pediatric neurologists and they were doing MRIs and all these tests and and it was all confirmed, all this stuff. But we knew that our daughter was being healed. They said, that does not happen. I've told you this story before. So we kept doing what they said to do really for their benefit. Because we'd ask the question, what will it take for you to say, this has been, she's been miraculously healed. And they said, well, there's the list. We said, okay. And we did the things that we said, not because we needed anything. We knew she was healed. She never had another seizure. When the Lord said she was healed, she was healed from something that in her instance was a, was a variety that people do not get healed from. And she was healed. And here's what happened. We didn't go on any longer thinking, what if she has a seizure someday when she's out swimming? What if she has a seizure someday while she's going 70 miles an hour in a 70 zone on the freeway? <laughs> what if? What if? What if? What if our life's going to change? How's it going to be different? Da, 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 da. We stopped all that. The doctor said there's a little wisp on the horizon. We saw a black band and we could smell the rain. Because we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We saw that. Mark eleven twenty four says this. These are the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. That's our Savior's words. Believe that God is at work and he's going to move. 1 Kings 18, verse 45. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on and Ahab 
rode off to Jezreel. Now check this out. (laughs) Now that was a miracle. Great. So check this out. Verse 46, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and he tucked his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Let me paint that picture for you. It's about 14 miles from where they were approximately to Jezreel. And Ahab, of course, would have had a chariot being pulled by horses, and they wouldn't have been dogs. They would have been good horses, right? There would have been something of speed involved. He tucked his deal up and ran and beat the chariot and the horses back to Jezreel. That's pretty cool. Come on, check that out. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know why that's in here. It's for some good reason. But, but, but the Spirit of the Lord was moving, and the miraculous was at hand. And he was believing God. He was believing God. God moves supernaturally on behalf of his people. Now, I'm going to close this in prayer, but before we do that, I want to cover two topics, two quick announcements, and then I'll pray, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll dismiss the service. First off, first one is I want to announce um, a new ministry that is starting here today, and I am so excited about this. I hope you get as excited about it as I am. Um, you may not know this, but we have um, a significant number of people here who really feel called by the Lord to pray. Sorry, get that out of your way here. To pray. And they pray frequently, constantly. They pray for all kinds of needs. And it's on their heart. They want to pray for you and with you when you need prayer. And so beginning today, after all of our Sunday services, we will always have some people available to pray with you personally and privately for whatever need you have, okay? And so it's not going to be weird. They're not going to do weird stuff. They're not going to ask anything weird of you. It's just, you, you, you know, and if you don't want to share your prayer need, then don't. You just go and say, hey, I'm brokenhearted. I'm discouraged. I, I've got a need. If you, if you feel like you can share the need, these people are trustable. And here's how you'll know. Here's what you do if you want prayer. After, when the service gets, when the service dismisses, um, they will make their way. There's, on the other side of this wall here, there's a hallway, and in the, there's three rooms. And in the center room, they'll be in there. And um, so they'll have something like this on. They'll have one of these little lanyards around their neck. And it says, hi, I'm Carolyn Hockey. How can I pray with you? It, just, it has our logo. So that's how you'll know, Carolyn, right? So I've got you. Thanks for letting me call, your, call you out by name. Um, and that's how you can find someone. And listen, don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. I probably should give this to Carolyn before. Could you give that to Carolyn? Thanks, sweetie. Because she's going to need it in a couple minutes. Um, and then the second thing that I want to talk to you about also involves prayer. I, I believe this is sovereign, something that the Lord is doing. Um, there's a ministry, and we're going to call it 24-7, okay? And we're just a little bit of it. But here's the background on prayer 24-7. In uh, Whatcom County, which is Bellingham area, okay, it's... That's at the top of the map. That's why I'm doing this, right? Up there, right? Yeah, okay. It doesn't matter where it is, but somewhere there's this uh, group of Christians who thought, you know what? We need an invasion of the Holy Spirit. We need an invasion of God's presence in our county. And so um, they started to gather together with specific plans for prayer. Now, in 2005, when this was all going on, this uh, Whatcom County was the least churched county in our state in terms of churches per population, the least. And they started praying. Now, they're very directed and focused. And here are the topics that they pray on. They pray for churches. 
They pray for families. They pray for government, education, businesses, the media, and healthcare. Now, those are very broad. Well, what do they pray about those things? They have contacted people that are Christians and are involved in those different areas. And those people come back and say, here are some things that you need to pray for. Here are some trends. Here are some things that we need to, to adjust and change that we'll, we need the Lord's hand on. So they started praying consistently. They scheduled it. They took turns. They said, uh, we're going to make sure that somebody somewhere in this county is praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So they divvied up the calendar. Between 2005 and 2011, here's a few statistics for you. Um, they went from 75 church congregations in the county, excuse me, um, they've added 75 congregations in that time. They, that's an increase of 71% over that time frame. That's 71% increase. Um, the, they, they, wanted, they believed that they should become more involved in the community. Churches and the people in churches should become more involved. So they talked to the police department. Hey, how can we help you? The police gave them a pie-in-the-sky answer. Hey, if we had 300 people, we could probably clean up all the graffiti. 500 people showed up, and they wiped out all the graffiti. Um, the college campus, here, this is different. Now, you know, there's a large public college up there, and if you know anything about liberal arts colleges, they're not normally a um, bastion for Christianity. Today, at this point, there are at least 70 believing professors on the, on the staff up there. Uh, every Friday night, there are youth that get together. It's over 600 college students get together on Friday nights. The, the people have been contending for life for abortions to drop. And for each of the last three years, adoptions have doubled. So do the math. It doubled, and then that doubled, and then that doubled. You get the picture. That's exponential increase in fruit. So they believe also that crime rates are falling as a result of prayer and the Lord's intervention for their community. We need to do that for our community too. So the churches of our county, now I say our county because we are technically in Thurston County, but I don't care where we are. I mean, the churches in here in Thurston County are are doing this, but we will pray for our community, which is our community. It goes south and north. Um, But churches in our our county are, are banding together to do the exact same thing. And the calendar is filling up with times. Different churches have said, well, we're going to make sure someone's praying on Thursdays between noon and 3 o'clock or whatever. And most of the calendar is full, and, um, but we're going to help them get it closer to full because our church is going to commit to that as well. And we have a leadership team that's going to do that. Um, the, the, the point is this. If you hear the Holy Spirit saying, that's something you could get involved in, you don't have to go anywhere to do it. We will send the prayer list to you by email or whatever. You just do it at home. And if you commit to pray for half an hour on Tuesdays at three in the afternoon, that's your commitment. And you can do it here. You can do it on the road. You can do it on vacation. You can do it anytime. You don't have, there's no expo, ex, expectations other than that if you promise to do it, that you do it. That you do it. And so um, we're, going to, um, we're going to, as a church, jump into that and onto that bandwagon. Good idea, right? Right? So um, I, I don't know who else is doing it in South County, but it's definitely going to be us and um, I, I think the Holy Spirit is all over this. And I want to see a difference in our community too. We need to see a difference in, in abortions. And we need to see our education system supported. We need to see the Holy Spirit moving for families and for people that are in the military, that their families would be strong. And all of these things we need to pray for. All these things we need to pray for. Now, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that, we just need to know so we can put you on our list. 
Bob and Carolyn. Oh, Carolyn is waving something at me, and I got one right when I thought I brought one with me, but it's gone now. I must not have brought it. It's a prayer list, so you can just stick it up in the air, Carolyn. Okay? So um, they will send you this list, and it goes through all of those different categories that I mentioned before, and it says, here are the needs that you can pray for. You don't have to make stuff up, and the Holy Spirit will lead you too. Okay, so there's hot copies. Oh, here's my copy right here. Okay, so enough announcements about two new ministries, and I want to pray for you and then let you go. So let's just pray. God, Lord, um, just ask you to move among us and stir us and change us, Lord, concerning the topic of prayer. Keep your hearts in an attitude of prayer, church. If it's been a really long time since you connected with God in prayer, and if you know that you've kind of given this issue up, especially about something that you care about, you should be praying. Admit that to God right now, privately. But listen, don't feel condemned by that. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've let this go and you know it, just admit it to God and say, Okay, God, now I just ask you to help me refresh this. Refresh this. Help me to find and make time for it. Lord, you hear the quiet whispers of your kids right now. Fill our hearts with a renewed level of faith, with humility, with boldness, with specific, persistent, expected prayers. Lord, fill us, Lord, with that. And church, I want to say to you too now, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, that needs to be your first prayer. If you do not know that your eternity is sealed, the word of God promises that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. There is a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain. God loves you so much that he gave the only son he had to come and pay an awful price because you and I are sin-filled. We just can't be good enough. We can never make the grade. So Jesus came and he said, I'll pay the price. I love you so much. I'll do that. But you have to accept that as a gift. It's a gift given. It's nothing you can earn. You have to say, I accept, I receive that gift. If in your heart you would say, I want to receive salvation, it's a decision you make. The word says you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. You need to tell someone today that you've opened your heart before the Lord. Lord, move among us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.